Please join me in our prayer for illumination. Almighty God, you sent your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, to suffer death on the cross. Grant that we may share in his obedience to your will and in the glorious victory of his resurrection. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you, and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. To go from celebration to celebration. If you come today, you're here today, you hear the celebration of the palms. And if you disappear this week only to reappear on Easter Sunday, you miss a significant portion of the story. To go from celebration to celebration is to miss the drama of the cross. Now, I, I wonder, with this huge of a scripture reading, maybe the question to ask is, why did Jesus have to die? What does Mark say about why did Jesus have to die? I honestly believe that it's about uh, the betrayal uh, of his followers, right? It's, it centers on Judas, but it's also the inability of the disciples to stand up and to understand their commitments. Peter uh, makes a commitment and denies Jesus three times by the time the rooster crows. Seems like uh, that good old-fashioned Texas sense of my word is my bond was part of the downfall of Jesus. There's a story told about a bank in San Diego a uh, number of years ago that hired a private investigator to track down where uh, a large sum of money had gone to. It had been uh, assumed that it was stolen. The private investigator tracked uh, finally a uh, robber uh, who had ran off of the money deep into Mexico, near Mexico City. And the private investigator, after many months of tracking, finds uh, and corners the robber uh, in a hotel room. And since the private investigator didn't know Spanish, he had a translator with him. And he, uh, the private investigator, very frustrated, pulls out a gun and points it at the robber and says, if you do not tell me where you have hidden all of that cash, I will shoot you right now. And the translator translates this to the robber and the robber answers very passionately, he says, no, no, senor, I have hidden the money in a container uh, underneath the um, fourth floorboard in the men's restroom in the Grand Hotel in La Paz. You'll find it there. And the translator looks back at the private investigator and says, uh, senor, this man says honorably he will die and not reveal where the money is. Your word is your bond. Betrayal is a downfall. Why did Jesus have to die? It's fair to say that uh, maybe some of it was because of his closest followers. Uh, you know, Judas betrays him for money. Um, Peter is unable to keep his commitment. It may be because of the lack of trust and obedience in the disciples. But I don't think that's the whole story. I think it's also fair to say that Jesus died because of the 
powerful religious and political leaders who found him to be an agitator in their presence. Let's not forget that on Palm Sunday, there was not just one parade that happens in Jerusalem, but three parades. Jesus comes in from one gate uh, with the children leading him on the back of a donkey with palm branches being waved, the sign of a um, city welcoming a new king, a peaceful king. But at the other end of the gates, King Herod had put his troops together and on the back of a war horse was coming in as well to make sure that the people knew, though there would be a festival, there would not be a rebellion. And from a third gate, Pontius Pilate comes in with Roman centurions and all of their grandeur walking in front of him. He too on a war horse, a reminder that if King Herod can't do it, he can make sure that a rebellion doesn't happen. Three parades, two of which represented this kind of political movement. And let's not forget that it was shortly after Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead that the chief priests and teachers of the law decide that this man cannot live any longer. That if he does things like that, he's a danger to our lock on religious thought. It's fair to say that Jesus was a pawn in the midst of political machines and religious powers, but I don't think that's the whole story. You know, what's interesting is the Gospel of Mark piles up one after another after another of these great moments where Jesus takes wonderful initiative, healing those who aren't usually healed, authoritatively teaching from the Torah in a way that no one had thought of it before, uh, that he, he casts out demons with authority. Uh, he speaks as if he knows and has a relationship with God. It's hard to forget that in the midst of the story, Jesus gives away his very life and everything that he has. It's fair to say that maybe Jesus dies on the cross because it was his original plan of self-giving, sacrificial love to show the world of how much God loves them. It's fair to say that self-giving love had something to do with it, but I'm not so sure that it was the whole story. When we begin looking at the rest of the story, the whole story, it's hard to not see that the testimony of the uh, death, uh, the uh, crucifixion, death, and resurrection of Jesus has around it, uh, below it, and all through it, the movement of God's will. You can see it uh, in the ways in which Jesus struggles in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, take this cup away from me, not my will, but your will. You can see it in the way in which the physical world responds to the death of Jesus on the cross. Uh, the um, Bible says that uh, it was dark from noon to three, that the, uh, the moon turns blood red, and that the curtain in the temple separating the holiest of holies, where the, the ark, the presence of God resides, split not from the bottom to the top, but from the top to the bottom. We may not like the idea of a father God who sends his son to death for others, but there is an interesting, powerful will of God story that must be reconciled with. The, the son uh, who prays to the one who he dares to call Abba Father 
finds himself nailed to a cross, dying for the sins of the world. I think in the midst of all of those movements, we find the reason why Jesus dies. We find that it's not just the desertion of his followers, not just the political and religious machine of the day. It's not just his desire to give selflessly. It's also bound together with the will and call of God on his life. You know, I think it's easy for us to uh, turn away uh, from the story. It's so much easier to go from celebration to celebration. Getting in the midst of the drama of the moment makes things messy. I think about Simon of Cyrene. In the midst of the story, he is, uh, I guess, uh, headed to market, finds himself stumbling upon a parade route where uh, another Jewish, uh, uh, another Jew is being crucified by the Roman state. As he watches Jesus walk by carrying the crossbar, stumbles in front of him, and the Roman centurion impresses him into service to carry the crossbar for Jesus. I wonder if Simon had ever encountered Jesus at all at that moment. And here, uh, because of an accident of the moment, the story of Jesus greatly affects his life as he carries the heavy crossbar all the way to Mount Calvary. Rich Mullins, a contemporary Christian artist from Good Grief about 20 years ago, he was the one that wrote, uh, Our God is a Christian God. You might have, uh, I'm sorry, Our God is an awesome God. Wow, that was the slip for the day. Uh, Rich Mullins writes in one of his journals, he says, um, I would rather be wanted by God than used by God. That when you look at the story of the Gospels, there's only a, a few people that are absolutely necessary to the story. I mean, let's think about it. We can name three of them uh, easily. Uh, Mary. Mary is needed for the story. For the God of all creation to take on flesh, he must be birthed from a woman's womb. Mary is needed in the story. And then there's Judas Iscariot. He is needed in the story. Someone must betray Jesus into the hands of the chief priests and elders of the law so that he can be tried. And then Rich Mullins says the last one that is needed in the story is Pontius Pilate. That, 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 um, that moment where Pontius uh, Pilate uh, washes his hands of Jesus is a necessary moment to see that uh, Rome is interested only in Pax Romana and not in justice for Jesus or for Barabbas. Three people are needed for the story. Three people are used by the story. When we start talking about being used by God, we must be careful because being used by God, people like Nebuchadnezzar were used by God. Judas was used by God. If Jesus only needed one disciple to betray him, needed to use only Judas for that purpose. It is interesting that in the Gospel of Mark, when he calls the disciples, Mark says, and he called those whom he wanted to himself. Rich Mullen says, I'd much rather be wanted than used. That to be used, the list of people who are used by God end up being a really, um, a really scary group of narcissistic people. But the people who were wanted by God, they were wanted because they were obedient. They were wanted because they loved God. They were wanted because they were trusted. 
So oftentimes we look for a systematic theory of redemption. We want to know a, 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 a model of atonement. We want to understand all of why Jesus had to die. The story of why Jesus had to die might have little to do with systematic theology and everything to do with a poem that expresses the drama of life and resurrection and death. That if we only go from celebration to celebration, allowing the story of Jesus to be just in our head and never in our heart, we miss the whole purpose. We're like Simon of Cyrene, who stumbles upon the redemption of the world and gets pressed into service. I I wonder, friends, who are you in the story? Where are you in this moment? Are you so far from Jerusalem, you have no idea what's going on? Are you probably one of the disciples who have deserted because things got really hot really quick? Or maybe you're Simon of Cyrene, never thought about what was going on, just doing your daily work, and you stumble upon the redemption of the world. Don't go from celebration to celebration. Because I'm pretty sure God wants you, wants you to experience the journey to the cross. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Friends, Chapelwood United Methodist Church exists to help ourselves and others take their next step in their faith journey with Christ, and not just to scatter those steps all over the place, but to align them with our three-year vision, which is to raise a generation in faith. The first year, the goals are to uh, make sure that uh, in our discipled life uh, that we have these four marks, that we are called to something beyond ourselves, that we are a high-expectation church, uh, and that we are uh, fluent in the faith, especially the hope that we find uh, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that we are busy beginning to spot the places in which Jesus, uh, that God is active in our lives. We call them uh, God sightings. Uh, When we begin to take those next steps that allow those things to happen, for our life to be marked by those aspects of discipleship, uh, we begin to do the things that the children around us, whether they are ours or or someone else's, uh, begin to see what it looks like to role model uh, an honest, vital, fruitful faith. I think for all of us, the next step is to not go from celebration to celebration, but to find the drama that is there, to journey to the cross, Uh, to experience Holy Week not as a systematic theology paper, but as a theological poem that speaks to our soul. I do hope that you'll join us for our um, fellowship meal uh, right after this service. Um, There happens to be an egg hunt. Now, some people, when you say there's going to be an egg hunt, they go, oh, well, I'm not the egg hunt age. No, no, no. This is a potluck meal, and you're that age. I know you are. Um, And then uh, there happens to be an egg hunt at the same time. Uh, now, I do hope that you'll uh, join us for Monday, Thursday on 7 o'clock uh, here in the sanctuary, very traditional um, uh, Last Supper uh, uh, observance. Uh, and then Friday will not be so traditional. We'll go to the beach for Good Friday. Uh, the youth are going to lead um, the worship service. It'll be around a bonfire. There will be five, we'll end on a glorious note. Five, has it gone up since now? Five? There's not six. Just five. Five youth will be immersed baptism uh, in the surf. I've already got my wetsuit rented. (laughs) 
So I hope that you'll come and join us for a wonderful celebration. And then of course, uh, sunrise service will be out here on the lawn as opposed to uh, by the creek. Uh, and then we'll have uh, both services 8.30 and 11 here. You won't want to miss the 11 o'clock Easter service. There will be no preaching. It will be the preaching done by the choir uh, for the cantata. So what a wonderful way to hear the resurrection story. But for now, why don't we join together in our closing hymn. I love to tell the story. Uh, on page 156, you're going to want to have your hymnal. Uh, David Hill's going to lead us in that. I'm standing over here because there's a Stephen minister that's going to come and be right here, uh, ready to pray with you uh, right now, uh, or to arrange care for someone you love. Uh, I'll stay here until they get here, but until that time, why don't we uh, have our benediction. Grab a hand next to you. Uh, you don't have to hold everybody's hand, but hold somebody's hand. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Uh, Almighty God, we give thanks that life is not celebration to celebration, but that you accompany us in the drama of life, as we accompany you on the journey to the cross, may we find in that moment redemption, forgiveness, and new life. And in doing so, may we take up our cross and follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.